What's up, guys? It's Podcast 19. I know, I know it's been a super long time since I've been uh, back on this. We're going to try to stick to the schedule of once a month podcast. But as most of you may or may not know, uh, I have had a little injury that uh, sidelined me. So today we're going to be uh, chatting a little bit about that, recapping, um, and kind of filling you guys in. I feel like you're, uh, you're part of the team here uh, as to what happened. And of course, the correlation um, from you know, what I'm doing now and what I did in the past and how I'm, how I'm changing things. Um, so we're going to chat with uh, a good buddy of mine, call him coach Colin, uh, Colin Campbell. He is, uh, he's the man. Uh, he's changed a, a bunch of things up for me. Um, and we have some good chats and, uh, you know, he's a trainer and, uh, you know, a coach and that sort of thing and, and get hence the name coach Campbell or coach Colin. Uh, he, uh, changed a lot of, a lot of the food that I eat along with my wife too. Um, cause she's studying nutrition, believe it or not. So this all plays into it. So what does this have to do with detailing? Um, and we're going to tie all that in because at the end of the day, I can talk about roots polishers. I can talk about, you know, the ammo products and I can talk about all these wonderful things, but they're completely useless. If you can't do anything with your body, if you have no physical movement, if you can't bend at the knees or your shoulders hurt or et cetera, et cetera. So I don't want it to seem like, you know, uh, we're not talking about detailing. It's actually quite the opposite. It's exactly what we're talking about and um, I'm living proof of it. So anyways, we're going to be talking about that. So let's hop right into it. And I always give you a quick, you know, 10 minute recap of what, what I'm up to, what I'm doing. And then we'll, we'll hop in and, and listen to this genius talk to us about <laughs> what I've been doing wrong with my body. And then we'll answer some questions. And we'll try to keep it going on, on a monthly basis. So again, I appreciate you guys' patience. So what happened? So my left knee basically blew out of me. So here's the quick story. I, my wife and I rock climb a lot. My wife is significantly um, exponentially better than I am. Uh, but at the same time, rock climbing is interesting because it's uh, what they call beta. If you're watching somebody climb, you look at where they put their hands and where they put their feet, and you can sort of mimic uh, you know, what they're doing to get through, to get through the climb, kind of like watching a race car driver, you know, uh, drive the car in, uh, you know, with the, with a video camera that's inside the car and you can actually see the RPMs and what gear he's in and what the speed that he takes, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of, it's what they call beta. So I watched my wife do this like really hard climb because I'm male and my head is very dense. I was like, Oh, sure. I can do that too. No problem. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think you kind of know the result, but so I went up there and the difference between my wife and I is, you know, I'm exaggerating, but a foot, you know, I'm a pretty tall guy and she's a normal size human being. I just happen to be a giraffe. So for someone like her to put her foot on a high foot, you'd think, oh, that'd be much more difficult. No. Why? Because she's way more flexible than I am. And she can like maneuver her tiny little body into this position. And I saw her do it and my mind went, yeah, sure. I'm tall. I can just stick my foot up there. So I stuck my foot up, my left foot. On a, on a high foothold, I bent my knee until it couldn't bend anymore as if you were like a catcher. And I put my right leg out and then I reached with my left hand, which is kind of a weird, awkward movement. And as I reached for that left hand, I had no, I wasn't using my thigh muscle because it was, you know, when you're so bent, you know, like in a catcher position, it's almost hard to like get out of the catcher's position. Well, make a catcher's position like even more, like get further down it's sometimes hard to use your thigh muscle. So what I was actually doing was just crushing my meniscus. And as I twisted, it just pulverized it. So I popped off the wall. I didn't like fall or anything. 
Um, this, this particular one was, uh, I was, we were training at night. We train indoors cause we have a rock climbing gym, the cliffs at Valhalla. I don't know if you guys are in New York, but check it out. Um, the, yeah, the cliffs, the cliffs climbing.com anyways. Um, so I was, I, I popped off the wall and I heard something and I felt something. So I, I, I got down and it was like, Ooh, that felt weird. And I limped a little bit and I sat down and nobody, when you climb, when you boulder, this particular thing was bouldering. So it's, I wasn't on a harness or anything. Uh, bouldering, you climb with a bunch of buddies and you hang out and you chat for two hours and you, and you work out. So nobody knew what was going on. I just like, oh, okay, I couldn't do that climb or, you know, I'll keep working on it or something. So my wife looked at me, she's like, what's the matter? And, I was, and she's like, you, your face turned white. And I was like, uh, I don't know, something's wrong with my leg. And I thought it was my like calf, not my calf, but whatever that bone is from where your calf is, not the thigh, not the femur, the whatever. Uh, and I started banging it. I'm like, oh, I got to bang it back in the shape that the bone beneath your knee. And I'm banging it and banging it. She's like, what the hell are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I feel like a bone is out of place or something. I mean, what, what did I know? I'm not a doctor. So I was like, all right, whatever. Just let it chill for a little bit. And then I'll get up and walk it off and, you know, whatever. So I sit there for a few minutes. and hmm, hmm, It's kind of weird. And then I go to go stand up again and I fall completely on my face. And everyone's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, I don't even know. My, I, my leg doesn't work. And my wife's like, oh, crap, this looks relatively, you know, serious. I'm like, just let me chill. You know, let me hang, hang. I don't just, I don't want anybody. I don't know. I don't like anybody looking at me when I'm doing something, you know, when you're hurt. I'm like, yeah, just go. Everybody climb. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No worries. I'll just sit here and watch you guys climb for a little bit. So I sat there for a little bit and I'm like, oh, my God, this really hurts. So um, I got my wife and I was like, listen, we, we got to, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we, we got to go to the emergency room. This is not normal. Something's not right. So I kind of like shimmied my way out because I'm much bigger than my wife. So it's kind of hard for her to like carry me or whatever. So I kind of like shimmied my butt, you know, all the way out to the out to the door. People looking at me like I'm a nut job because I don't have any crutches or anything. I was in workout gear. We went to the hospital at the emergency room. We waited four hours like every person does in America. Uh, waited four hours and they took an x-ray. The doctor came over, pushed, prodded and said, you're fine. It's a sprain. And I was like, all right, sweet. I can deal with sprains. I don't know why. Maybe I just have a low threshold of pain. That's fine. Whatever. So they put me in this stupid brace, uh, which turns out to be really detrimental. But they put me in a straight leg brace. And the guy who comes over, he's a really sweet guy, but comes over and he picks my leg up and he puts it in the brace. And I'm like screaming on the top of my lungs like, dude, you got to go easy here. And it turns out I blew my meniscus and it's called a bucket handle tear. Uh, there's a purpose for me telling all this, by the way. So there's a bucket handle tear which means part of the meniscus went underneath the knee. So every time I was bending or straightening, really, I should say, uh, it's almost like a pebble in your shoe, but there was a pebble kind of in my knee in metaphorically speaking. Um, so if I were to keep it straight, it was as if I was putting all my weight on that pebble. And I'm like, dude, I cannot keep this thing straight. It's, I'm freaking out. So the instant I literally walked out of the emergency room, I pulled that stupid thing off and I put another brace on that, you know, uh, that we had lying around or whatever. And then I walked around on it for two weeks. And that was the problem. So I thought, all right, well, two, three weeks, you know, spring goes by, fine. And I was walking on it and I was walking on it. And um, I I went to go do this, um, kind of keep you guys up to date. I went to go do this um, commercial for Tire Rack and um, what the heck is it? Car and Driver Magazine out in Detroit. And at the time I had a knee brace on or what have you. And we were on a runway It'll, you'll see it at some point, um, maybe probably after this comes out. But, uh, you know, we talk about different tires and whatnot. It was a really, really kind of cool event. We had 
two guys who were like enthusiasts from BMW club and they drove and we changed tires and how does tires run, uh, you know, winter tires in the summer versus summer tires in the summer or versus summer tires in the winter. You know, we played with all those variables to show how big of a difference is and how important it is to put on the right tires on the right year. We're going to talk way more in depth about that soon. But anyways, that's where I went. And I got a phone call when I was sitting on the runway shooting a commercial with all these cameras around me. And they're like, oh, by the way, Mr. Casilla, your knee is exploded and you, you need to come back like now because uh, we're going to have to do surgery. And I was like, what? So I was kind of bummed. So I hopped back on a plane. I went all the way back in. And then I went to the hospital for special surgery, which is like, you know, a very awesome New York. I mean, they work. They're just incredible New York uh, surgeons. Uh, Dr. Frank Cordasco was my guy. I'm sure he's thrilled that I mentioned him. Um, and I went and talked to him, super cool guy. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're done. So it's, you need to have surgery. And I was like, well, the other doctor told me that I was fine and walk it off. And he's like, well, that was the dumbest thing you could do. Now I may not be able to repair it. I may have to do a, uh, menisc, meniscospic, I don't know, a surgery that basically removes it as opposed to repair it. And he says, if I remove it, you'll be walking in two or three days. If I repair it, you won't be walking in full function until six weeks and me being a, you know, a detailer. I was like, I'm not going to lose six weeks of work. What are you crazy? I was like, do the, do the, whatever the hell you said and get it out of there. And then he says, Oh, the byproduct is in 25 years, you'll probably have to have your knee replaced. And my wife was like strangling me. And I was like, uh, okay. So sure enough, he's like, we need to do surgery. And I said, okay, fine. Well, let's schedule it or whatever. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We need to do surgery like now. And I was like, okay, tomorrow. What, what? He's like, take your clothes off and we're going to go upstairs and I'm going to do surgery. I'm like, holy crap. So within like an hour, I was unconscious and, and having surgery. So um, the surgery took like 20 minutes. But the moral of the story is I got 50% my meniscus removed and 50% repaired. So I'm in like this transition zone. So it's like four to five weeks where I'm doing all this physical therapy, which is where I came back from 10 minutes before I'm doing this podcast. So the whole point of this podcast is to talk about maybe what I did wrong, how I was treating my body as a, as a professional detailer. Um, and of course the biggest tool in your toolbox, as I said before, is your body. I mean, I know I'm being a little bit like mm, whatever, but it, I mean, it's freaking true. I mean, I, I have all the greatest machines in the world and the, the steamers, the VX 5000 and the roops polisher and my, you know, my products and all these awesome, but who cares at this point? Because I can't, I couldn't even function. So it kind of really, uh, it set me straight to be perfectly honest with you. I, my philosophy was until recently, um, just, I, I work until my fingers fall off. And I know that's like, Oh yeah, sure. That's a pun. But I literally like my hands would, would, would start to, you know, crack and, and, and bleed and, and what have you. And, you know, part of my family, you know, growing up kind of thing was, um, you know, we may not be the smartest people in the world, but we can certainly outwork you any day of the week. So I could, my family and I, uh, you know, as a kid, that's all I would do was paint and build and, you know, cut lawns and do all that kind of thing. So I'm very active in the way that I could beat people who were quite frankly, more intelligent than I am, which is just outwork them. Now that's not a very long-term strategy. Um, and it definitely worked from, you know, when I was 13 or 14 of when I quote started business, meaning I got paid to do details. Obviously it was on the side and I was in high school or whatever. But when I started professionally in my early twenties, um, out of college, I mean, it was 12 hour days, blah, 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 seven. It was literally seven days a week, which was really stupid, but 
at the time. What the hell did I know? Um, and I could do it because I was in my 20s, like whatever. But it's like weird now I'm going through this other transition where I'm not in my 20s anymore. And I think I'm just as strong as I was. I think I'll even be stronger after, you know, I'm working with coach. But uh, I guess I don't recover as fast. And I, it's, I don't know. I have a lot more responsibilities than I, than I did when I was in my 20s. So long term is much more important than than not. So anyways, I'm trying to keep this on, on a detailing topic. But I think, I, I believe this is probably the most important thing, most important podcast I ever had. Who cares about techniques? Who cares about products? Who cares about machines? And I know that sounds really crazy for me to say that. But it, if you can't work for like six, eight, ten weeks, it's like insane. I'm climbing the walls. I'm going freaking crazy. And I can't even drive my car, which I told the physical therapist this morning. Cause I'm on like my, I'm on my fourth, third or fourth week and I'm super strong. Like I can almost do squats. Like I can walk around. It, it's totally fine. Like for me to drive a clutch, it's fine. And I've already done it secretly, but don't tell anybody. And I told him, listen, we're, we're taking the restriction off this Sunday. It's supposed to be like 80 degrees. I haven't driven my car. All my buddies are going out. I'm going for like a three hour drive. And he's like, do what you got to do. And I was like, fine. So I'm going driving anyways. Um, it really, t- it really sidelines you and I'm changing. I changed a few things that I want to share with you guys and coach is going to talk about like super crazy in-depth stuff. So anyways, I don't want you guys thinking, you know, this is some like spiritual, you know, nutritional, whatever. And it's not, it's about detailing. It really is. It boils down to, if you can't physically do it, that's the job that we do, whether you like it or not. I mean, I know some people, you know, have 50 guys working for them and that's fine. And that's, that's actually kind of smart. Uh, if that business model works for you. But I think a good portion, 60, 70% of the people listening, and certainly people who know me on YouTube and Drive Clean and all that, um, they're doing it themselves, uh, either for themselves as a business or for themselves as, as relaxation, as therapy. And at the end of the day, if, if you physically can't do anything with your knee uh, or your body or whatever the body part is, you're kind of useless when it comes to detailing because it's a it's a... It's a high impact kind of job. So anyways, I, I really just, my gosh, it just smacked me on top of the head because I just lost six weeks of business and I'm sitting there kind of useless. So um, let's talk about something else. Matt, it should be coming out soon, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out. So I don't want it to be dated, but um, look on the Drive channel, which of course has changed a little bit. I'm sure you guys know Drive channel has changed to... M- you know, mostly uh, a paid subscription. And the, and the reason why, from what I understand, even though I'm not really on the show too much anymore, I do some things here and there to help out, but hopefully soon, um, is because, you know, the, the, the sponsorship money, I guess, dried out. And it makes sense. I mean, pr- these productions are like crazy expensive to do and nobody really makes any money. So I can see why they're doing it, but I can also see why people are frustrated because, you know, the first, whatever it was, two, three, four years that it's been on, I don't even remember, has been, you know, basically free. So it's always hard to go from basically free to paying a few dollars here and there. But nonetheless, I know you guys trust me and believe me, there's no one like secretly going like, aha, we got the crowd. We got all of the viewers. Screw them kind of thing. It's really not. It's like, oh, man, we want to keep this going. But, I, you know, we can't keep funding it ourselves because, like, we have families and stuff. So anyways, um, I guess what I'm saying is give them a little bit of a break because it's, it's a tough situation for everybody. So anyways, the point, the reason why I brought that up is I am, uh, my 964 was driven by Matt Farah, Matt Farah from Tuned, 
And uh, at that at that time, I, I was right before my surgery, so I had this knee brace on, and I, that was during that two-week period where I was walking around like a knucklehead, and we went up to Monticello Motor Club, and Matt drove the car, and he drove the crap out of it. Um, so I put some pictures up on Instagram a couple weeks ago, and I'm waiting. I thought today maybe it would come out. So by, by the time this podcast comes out, I am sure it'll be up. So go to the Drive channel and check out the review, uh, and, you know, sign up for Drive Plus. And then pretty soon I'm going to send out a video on uh, on the like the build process, like where I was watching everything and doing everything with it. So that's, that's like a 15 or 20-minute video. It is freaking awesome just to see. <laughs> I'm saying my own video is awesome. That's just pretty sad. But it's awesome because you get to see like really good professional mechanics like do crazy stuff. And you're like, wow. So you can see it from the beginning all the way to the end, and then Matt driving on the track. The car is off the charts. So for me sitting here, because I wasn't necessarily taking care of myself, and the thing is, I, I want to be, here we go. I, I, it's not that I'm not taking care of myself. It's that I didn't think about the consequences of constantly uh, grinding my body in, or pounding my body into the wall or running into the wall. Or I, you, you can't do that forever. And I don't smoke cigarettes or any other kind of things that you would smoke. I clearly, I don't do drugs. I don't even really drink. Now, does that mean like I'm anti-alcohol? No, whatever. I just, I don't know. I just don't drink. It doesn't make me feel all that good. Occasionally once a year at a birthday party or, you know, cheers, take a sip of wine. Fine. Like just not, it's not like a part of my life. Is that, is that good or bad? I, I don't know, but I'm just giving you a little statistics here. And I drink a ton of water. Uh, my wife is studying nutrition. You know, she has her PhD in chemistry, but she's also getting another degree in nutrition. So we have like crazy farm food. What I'm saying is I don't eat McDonald's. I, we don't, I don't barely have any sugar. I thought I was doing the right things, but coach is going to talk about like really what's going on. And one thing that I will um, leave you with, cause it's almost 20 minutes and I want to make sure he gets on is he changed my morning routine where I get up usually at six or six fifteen, not not that routine. But when I when I eat breakfast, it's within thirty minutes of me waking, and I have a power drink every morning, which sounds like oh, sure power drink, but it's pretty. It's kind of a legit drink. So here's kind of what's in it. I have a blender. I put, and I'll give you specifics if you want. You can probably go to his what? No, you can definitely go to his website myodesign.com. We'll talk about it later, uh, and and download the recipe or whatever is on his website. But it's uh, frozen fruit. It's mostly with berries and strawberries and things like that. And then I put it in the blender, maybe like a cup or something. I, I do it by eye now because I've been doing it so long. I put sliced cucumbers, maybe three, four, or five slices. Uh, lettuce. I know you guys are going like, oh, you're killing me, Larry. But a little bit of lettuce. Uh, almonds. Whey protein. And sometimes I do uh, hemp protein, which is green. And it kind of tastes good. Coconut oil. Chia seeds. Flax seeds. Water. I usually put an, an apple in, and he'll talk about the difference between apples and, and bananas. Sometimes I put a banana in because it tastes better, but I'm not supposed to. Bananas have a lot of sugar. Um, I, make, I put some water in there. I mix it up, and it gives me a cup and a half, uh, you know, a big, like, man-sized cup of, of kind of thick, heavy stuff. So it's not like a drink drink, but it's not like a smoothie. It's Or maybe it's more like a smoothie, I guess you should say, not ice cream. Um, and you just, you get it down and then every morning I take my, you know, I take these pills basically to make sure my stomach doesn't flip upside down because I get, you know, I get so much stress going on over here with all the things I'm doing that, you know, I got to make sure I keep my, my stomach in balance and all that kind of thing. But 
so we'll talk about how that's changed everything for me. That that has really squared me away and and uh, you know keeps me. It keeps me, I don't know, centered or whatever, but not spiritually centered. More like my body's not freaking out, and I'm not like jamming random things in uh, into my mouth to to get a little bit of you know potato chips or something so that I can go power through a detail. It's I'm not doing uh, any any justice here. I'm exhausted from physical therapy this morning, which I'm now on for. Uh, it's three days a week from 7 a.m. to 9, and it's like pretty pretty legit um, physical therapy. So I wish I would have avoided all this if I had thought more about uh, not pounding myself in. So the lesson before we hop on with Coach, which we're going to do right now, is take care of your body. We take we wash our microfiber cutting pads out like every 30 seconds, but like if your back hurts, your back hurts. Like you got to take care of it. If your knee hurts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, at, we're going to talk about some. Uh, stretches and things uh, as well because again super physical thing and i want you guys the man the, the six weeks i lost at the height of the summer i'm just so devastated um and it's uh it's a bummer but uh all right let's hop on i've i've uh depressed you enough about how horrible my knee is but i'm back somewhat and uh i'm excited to start doing podcasts again i appreciate you guys hanging in there i know it's, it's been a while we're gonna have some more videos coming out too and uh, I'm coming out from the from the dungeon, from the from the cave that I was forced, by the way, and almost well, had to strap me down um, to not do anything. So, anyways, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you hanging in there. So let's hop on with uh, with Coach Colin. Hey, Colin, are you there? Good afternoon, Larry. I am here. Uh, all right, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on with me. I know you're super busy up in uh canada right is that where you live canada canadiana yes uh, <laughs> toronto toronto ontario that's awesome i appreciate you coming on and um you know I've, I've spoke a little bit about uh our relationship and how i knew you but i want to get into it a little bit just so people go oh who, you know who is this guy but you know off the record to my listeners you know he's changed the way that i uh you know work out and certainly the way that i eat eat food and the way i think about things um and so he's going to go into that a little bit more but before we get into that, the the reason I think we connected in the first place was you are a fellow aficionado of Porsche 964s. Is that correct? I am indeed. I uh, <laughs> uh, two years ago I I purchased a 964 with forty two thousand original miles on it. It was originally an Arizona car mm -hmm. that had been tracked, and there's a bit of an interesting story about it. It it ended up in the garage of a Kingston doctor and Kingston is a, a small town in Ontario. Mm -hmm. And the doctor had actually purchased this 964 for his son as a graduation present. And when it came time to graduate and receive the present, the son turned around and said, I don't want it. Really? Which is interesting in and of itself. So I don't want to slap that kid. Well, he, he decided to travel to Europe instead and, and felt that he didn't want to be burdened burdened uh, with a Porsche. <laughs> you know, life sucks and you die, right? Is that, is that in, the way it goes? <laughs> indeed. So uh, the car spent four or five years sitting in the garage of this Kingston doctor and uh, then ended up in my hands. So when I got my hands on it, I... I, you know, I, I wanted to love it and caress it and, and spend all my time with it and learn everything I could about how to keep it working well on the inside and the outside. And so I turned to the venerable YouTube. Oh, boy. As the, you know, the, uh, the last word in, in information. 
And I came across a man named Larry Cosilla, who not only was extremely passionate about detailing, but also had a 964 C4. So I thought, perfect. So I became uh, rather obsessed, might be the word, with watching your videos and learning as much as I could from you. And the rest is history. And the rest, as they say, is history, indeed. <laughs> well, um, yeah, the 964, I think I have some parts for you, too. So we can talk about that uh, uh, offline mm -hmm. as well, because everybody listening now hopefully knows that I uh, totally like gutted my car, basically, and put a new engine in the whole nine yards. So I have some seats, and I have some really nice pieces, but they just don't fit on my car, you know, on the motor anymore, because it's a different motor. Um, so yeah, you I'm trying to pawn them off on you and put pressure on you on the podcast <laughs> to take them. <laughs> I will gladly take orphan, right. orphan Porsche parts. All right. Beautiful. All right. So talk to me a little bit about what, 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 what do you, you know, everybody knows that I'm the, you know, I want to be the detailing guru of all whatever, but what is it that you're the guru of just to be clear? Well, um, what do I shed light on? I, I suppose you could call me a, a body detailer. I, oh, nice. I am a detailer for your strength and your overall wellness. And uh, I've spent the greater part of the last 20 years studying and researching and applying uh, methods to my client base. I have a private practice here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I work as a strength and wellness coach, which really covers a, a number of sub um, domains which I suppose would be your training, your nutrition, and your, your restorative uh, recovery um, abilities. Yeah. I think you're like a mixture of a couple of different really high-end, you know, you have your trainer where it's, you know, deadlifts and what have you. But, you know, when you go to the gym, the guy just tells you to lift and tells you to do this, and then you leave the gym and that's it. But then you're also kind of like – doctorish where you're telling me hey you know make sure you're you're uh, taking this right medicine for inflammation or whatever and then you're also like a nutritionist kind of all smashing the one is that is that too I, I th broad i think that's fair no my my approach has to be broad and inclusive I, I learned a very long time ago when i got involved in the personal training industry and this was back in 1994 uh when the industry was very new uh very unregulated that it really is not about what we do in the gym. It's much more so what we do outside of the gym uh, that has the, the lasting effect. And, and if you think of it in, in a very easily quantifiable way, there are 168 hours in the week. If I could get a client training two hours a day, every day, that leaves us with what? Still 154 hours left in the week where we can kind of derail our efforts. So I, I moved away from strictly training clients and started looking at what my clients were doing outside of the gym, the environments that they were putting themselves into, the, the social networks they were keeping, the way they fed themselves, the way they slept, the, the jobs that they had and what type of impact that would have on their health. So um, I suppose my approach is I'm a bit of a detective and I, I don't like to leave stones unturned mm -hmm. and that that process of, uh, of uh, excavation, I suppose, led me down many different paths of health. And, and there is no one path to health. That's a, that's a very important point for, for, I think, people to remember. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm definitely 
sort of living proof of it now and certainly an example of it. So obviously you and I have spoken before this podcast many times and mm -hmm. you know that I blew my knee out and, um, you know, I, I'm, who knows why it really happened, but I'm sure you have some theories, but, uh, you know, I'm rethinking the way that I do things. Like, as I said, in the beginning part of this podcast, I can't, I, I, it's not smart for me to be going 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is my mentality. You know, people, my family were known as workhorses or work dogs. We like to have, you know, like the sled dogs in Alaska or whatever. They, they're, they're bred to put those harnesses on and that's what they want to do. They're, they want to pull. Right. And, uh, I feel like that's what my whole entire family is like. Um, but high mileage. Yes. We, we like to pull things <laughs> fast, fast and furious and tons of torque. And, yeah, uh, but that can uh, that can blow out some joints and some mm -hmm. knees and et cetera, et cetera, with that analogy. But um, well, I'll I'll speak very quickly on on that point, and it's going to be something that's quite relevant to the detailer in general. It's it's that these musculoskeletal injuries, aches, and pains they're they're much like cavities. They do not happen overnight. Uh, mm -hmm. There may have been an acute point of trauma where you've got yourself in a very odd position and something gave way or, you know, heaven forbid you, you were hit by um, somebody, you know, like on, on the field. Mm -hmm. But beneath that, there is an issue of structural balance and there is an issue of joint and connective tissue integrity. And those things start to erode over time. And so there's a spectrum. We may realize there's a problem when we hit about eight or nine out of 10 on the spectrum, but mm -hmm. you know, we do spend time at the two out of 10, the four out of 10. These are the little aches and pains that make themselves aware to us, but not enough to make us do something about it. Yeah. Change our behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those pile up on top of each other is what you're saying over time. They do. They, they, uh, they gain momentum and they, they lay their roots down until you're forced to do something about it. Yeah. And for detailers, obviously I, I'm a lot of up and down. I'm always on my knees, which my wife, you know, really uh, doesn't like. So I try to put, you know, padding and, and that sort of thing, but it's inconvenient. So I don't really do it. I just, I'm on a lot of marble floors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's knuckle issues. There's uh, back issues with the machine. If I'm leaning over a car and there's definitely knee issues for, and that goes without saying. Um, so you know, I asked you to come on here and kind of educate the, the listeners because I can tell you all of them work just as hard as I do. And it's detailing is, you know, it's kind of like landscaping or I'm trying to think of something similar, but it's, it's a, the nature of the job is physical. We happen to do it on cars, which is awesome. Absolutely. But nonetheless, I mean, I'm kind of kind of dragging ass when I get home. You know what I mean? I'm kind of tired after a 10 hour day. It's, it's, uh, I mean, after watching some of your videos and, and I know that if I get going cleaning my own car, I can easily spend two or three or four hours and, and that's just me being a novice working on my own car. This is, this is not a professional detailer working on a GTO or a 356, you know, so in watching your videos, um, there is a tremendous amount of movement taking place and also a tremendous amount of fixed movement or very focused movement taking place at the same time. And, and when I look at movement, I'm, I'm really pulling back to the nervous system because mm -hmm. a human being has a brain 
first and foremost, to create movement. Uh, and by movement, I mean muscular movement, coordinated muscular movement. And if you look at a, a human baby, when it's born, it's, it's really in quite a weak and vulnerable position because it hasn't had time to actually lay down its movement software. You know, a human baby can't walk, it can't talk, it can barely see, it can, it can really do little more than affect reflexes that were kind of laid in in the mm -hmm. womb. And, and lift its head slightly. So we go through this process of laying down software, movement software. And when you get into the workforce and you start working as a detailer, you spend a lot of time doing specific movements while having the body in, in, a, in a, at times, contorted position. It's definitely true. Back seats, you mm -hmm. know, getting, getting the back glass Absolutely. underneath cars for sure, yeah. And so what that does is it lays down or overwrites the previous movement software. And it's very easy at that point to end up with what we would consider to be occupational hazards, right? Mm -hmm. Which is just repetitive movement strain. So if we want to protect against that situation, you basically have to take the body back to its original unwritten software position and re-educate basic human movement patterns. And if you can do that, you will automatically realign the body and uh, create the most resilient structure needed to get you through the rigors of the detailing job. Now, okay. what's, like, can... what's the short version of how to do that? Because that sounds pretty complicated. Well, the short, the short version is this. You guys spend a lot of time on your knees, right? Mm, there's no doubt about that. And... Uh, if we look at uh, the most basic human movement pattern, it is the ability to squat. And by squat, I mean, you guys can all try this at home. Stand with both feet right together. So there's no space in between your feet. And without holding on, hopefully without holding on to a support, if you need to, you can, you can use one. But you should be able, if you're structurally balanced, to squat all the way down. Your glutes will almost touch your... Achilles tendon, your heel, and you should be able to sit there in that deep squat position without trouble. If you can't do that, you're starting to show signs of structural imbalance. And if mm -hmm. the joints are slightly imbalanced, I, I mean, we can use the car analogy uh, quite extensively here. If your alignment is slightly off, if your stance is wrong, if some, you got somebody to adjust your springs and they didn't do it properly eventually something's going to wear out, right? Mm -hmm. If that car is not perfectly aligned. So if the body is not in structural balance, you will run into a problem. Now that problem may come down the road and it may be expedited by the type of work you do, but it's very easily fixed by going back to the original software and laying down that basic foundation for human movement. So one test would be, a very simple squat test. Can you squat all the way down to the floor with your feet together? Now, Larry, don't try this right now because yeah, he is, sure. your knee is currently injured. Yes. But for those of you who are not experiencing acute pain, give it a shot. And if you can't do that, that's, that's a sign that something is misaligned. And, mm -hmm. and will that hold you back in your detailing career? I'm not sure. But 
it definitely means that there's a a kink in the armor. So yeah, I have an exaggerated example with obviously my left knee doesn't work as well as my right knee, mm-hmm. but the pain because I had surgery. My left knee is the one that hurts. The left, you know, the one I had injured and surgery, etc. So my right one is quote the good one. Mm-hmm. But in that example you were giving before, I'm actually I'm experiencing more pain in my right knee. Why? Because I'm. I mean, I am really out of whack because I can't really put a whole ton of pressure on my left. Right. So. Right. When you're talking about imbalance, so if you're talking about the car, my my alignment is way off. So I am, so if I'm, you know, uh, going one direction or the other in this car analogy, I am roasting the uh, the outside tire. Because <laughs> there's too much waste, uh, too much weight on it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you've got compensation patterns starting, and uh, bracing patterns starting because your your body is is trying to protect the injured joint right now, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense. However, you have to be careful that right now you don't lay down a new pattern of movement, a mm-hmm. new type of software that accommodates an injured knee. We want to basically heal the knee, rehabilitate the knee, and then pull everything back into the original basic forms of human movement. Okay. So on that note, what like what do you do what do we do to deal with the pain? Like what what are some things they can think about with their knuckles and their wrist and their back, et cetera? Well, how about, how about we address this in two, in two ways? We have those who are dealing with acute pain, and then we have those who are dealing with chronic pain. Now, you right now are dealing with acute pain because the, the injury has been fairly recent, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are a lot of guys out there who are dealing with chronic aches and pains, and when I hear about deal- people dealing with chronic aches and pains, I immediately think inflammation. They are inflamed. The joints are hot. And you want to quell that inflammation first in order to kind of restart the healing process. So what is inflammation? I mean, I, I know it's like, you know, on the commercials I see on TV, it's usually lightning bolts and fire and flames. Is that, <laughs> is that what's going on in my knee? The, uh, you know, the, the interior of the body is, is often a mystery to people, right? So we, <laughs> we need all kinds of um, external cues to give us, give us ideas. But it is essentially um, an immune response, an immune-modulated response. So your immune system starts essentially trying to protect an area by either pushing swelling, you know, lymphatic fluid into the area, which will increase the the amount of uh, fluid in there is trying to basically build a pillow around Mm -hmm. to protect. Um, Sometimes inflammation serves a very basic function and that's your body telling you don't use this thing right now. It's not, it's not ready to work for you right now. So I'm actually going to make it hurt more every time you use it. <laughs> sort of like the check engine light coming on. It's telling you, oh, this indeed. is not. Indeed. You know. Yeah. Pain, you know, pain is a great uh, universal language. And, and if, you feel, if you feel it or if you sense it, it's usually telling you to stop doing that thing, that, yeah. that thing you're doing. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, now, with regard to mitigating inflammation, so we can bring inflammation down, and, and unfortunately, we live in a nutritional landscape that offers us all kinds of foods that can actually exacerbate inflammation. So the first thing I want to talk about is I'm going to talk about vitamin D. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that some of your audience is uh, an international audience, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you've probably got guys in the UK. You've probably got guys in Europe. You've probably got people in South America. So we're, we're talking about all different types of uh, time zones and, and climates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, vitamin D has an effect that is almost hormone-like in in how it manifests itself in the body. And it, it actually acts as a very strong anti-inflammatory. Now, I've sent numerous clients out for blood work, and very few of them come back with optimized vitamin D levels. So what I would suggest, particularly to those who, let's say, live in the UK, where you know summer basically happens on July 9th between 11... 30 a.m. and 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that day. Um, so true. Is get your vitamin D levels checked. Uh, any doctor should be able to do that for you quite readily. And just see where you fall. And if you are low, I mean, the, the easiest way to do it is just boost your exposure to sunlight. And your skin will make the vitamin D for you in, in response to the, the relationship with the sun. Um, that would be number one. So address vitamin D levels. Number two, omega-3 fats, which are talked about a lot in the media. These are the types of fats contained in fish and other seafood. Mm -hmm. They also exert very powerful anti-inflammatory effects. So, so so these would be good. Basically these things that you're saying, you know, the next one, two or three or whatever it is, these are things that the detailers can think about and eat and use or mm-hmm. put into their daily life that might quell is the word nice word you use or squash a lot of the inflammation, meaning the pain that they could be potentially feeling in whatever body part. Is that exactly is that? Yes. Okay. I just want to be clear. Yes. One more that's very simple is uh, lemon or lime juice squeezed into your water bottle. Really? Yep. I didn't know that one. So citrus fruits are, are kind of interesting because when you think about but citrus, you immediately think acid, right? Yeah. They are acidic when they enter the body. However, when they enter the small intestine, they actually turn on bicarbonate enzymes in the small intestine, which, of course, are alkalinizing. So it is a great way to make your internal environment more alkaline, which is, by definition, less inflamed, Okay. So that's okay. a that's a very cheap and easy way to uh, start alkalinizing your system, and, and you will notice that if you do have aches and pains, I've got new, numerous other tricks up my sleeves. Another one is curcumin, um, also known as turmeric, which is that deep orange spice found in a lot of uh, East Indian cuisine and and Southeast Asian cuisine. Mm-hmm. Again, very powerful anti-inflammatory. These are just four simple tips that the detailer can think about and, and hopefully start drawing the connection between bodily inflammation and what can be done nutritionally to help quell it. Absolutely. So let's, I'm dying to tell the story of, uh, I, I mentioned a little bit, but how I've changed breakfast and please do in, in my, you know, you can speak as much as you can, but I know, you know, it's sometimes difficult to to talk about a a client or what have you, but you know, I'm, I'm on here with you and I'm giving permission. So tell, (laughs) tell them a little bit about, you know, how you changed my, my breakfast around. And I, I, I gave them the rundown of what's in it and, you know, almonds and, and greens and things like that. And at first, when you told me, I guess, you know what we can do? Um, remember what you first had me, uh, eating, which was like pure, like 
protein and meat or something in the mm-hmm. morning instead of mm-hmm. and knocking out sugar. So talk a little bit about that because mm-hmm. from my perspective, I feel like that was the biggest change that I made in the morning because I thought, you know, cereal, you know, milk and cereal, fine, whatever. Yes. But that changed my entire day. So anyways, go ahead. Well, let's let's talk about the first meal of the day. It, it really is the moment at which you set the stage for the rest of the day. And by setting the stage, again, what I'm talking about is your neurochemistry, the, the brain chemicals you make. So what you feed yourself first has direct implications on... Larry, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, sorry. I just got a notification that you that Skype had dropped the call. Oh. Um, as long as things are okay on, on your end over there with recording yeah. and we can continue. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, keep going. Okay, so when I think about the first meal of the day, I think about how am I going to optimize my brain chemistry throughout the rest of the day. And a lot of people do not... Uh, are unaware of this fact that about 65 to 70% of your brain chemicals, the ones that help you focus, the ones that keep your drive, your motivation high, are actually manufactured in your intestines. Mm -hmm. And they are manufactured directly from the food that you feed yourself in that first meal of the day. So what you eat for the first meal is critical from that standpoint. So if you are a detailer looking to increase your mental focus increase your drive and be able to sustain that drive and motivation throughout the day, the first meal becomes quite important. Now, huge, huge, indeed. Let's talk about, I'm going to backtrack just a bit to kind of set the stage as to why this is important. The reason Mm -hmm. why we get up in the morning from a biochemical standpoint is not because we have a job to do, not because the dog was barking or, you know, you've got the day's chores ahead of you. The reason why we wake up in the morning is because our adrenal glands, which are the glands responsible for producing stress hormones, receive cues from the environment telling us the sun has come up. When they read those cues, they produce... Cortisol, which is a stress hormone that actually helps us in the morning by elevating our blood sugar. And it elevates our blood sugar in the hopes that that added energy will get us up out of bed. Now, we have been told for years that, you know, and and there are certain companies out there that have even marketed their products as the quote unquote breakfast of champions. Mm -hmm. We have been told that we need to increase our energy through what we eat in the first meal of the day, typically through consuming carbohydrates. And I would like to suggest that there is a a different way to go about this. If we allow the adrenal glands to do what they want to do, which is naturally increase the blood sugar by receiving cues from the sun, we then can optimize our brain chemistry by taking in proteins and fats and set ourselves up for a much more productive day from a mental standpoint, from an acuity standpoint, from a focus standpoint, from a drive standpoint. The nice um, byproduct of this is that there have been numerous research papers showing that what you eat in the first meal of the day will actually influence how you choose your foods for the rest of the day. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So those who consume protein and fat as their first meal of the day, and as an example, I could say smoked salmon and avocado. I could say um, some ground bison and some nuts. You know, oh, we can go into kind of you know actual examples of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what I did in the beginning. It was kind of hard. You know, I was yeah, downing like turkey and and chicken and or whatever i can't even remember half the stuff but definitely avocado mm-hmm. and it was it was de- it was a challenge so that's why I, I changed and we can talk about that in a minute but i certainly felt better it was just hard for me to physically get down that much protein it may not be for somebody somebody else but it is um, a it is a change i often tell my clients you're going to start eating dinner for breakfast and breakfast for dinner yeah you said something to me um you know months ago whatever it was that i i made more for dinner Mm-hmm. And I kept that leftover for breakfast the next day. Absolutely. That's a very that, – that, that was good. I like that idea. Yeah. Very simple solution. Just make two or three portions for your dinner, and then your breakfast is already ready. Yeah. Um, Anyways, continue. Sorry. Now, if we go back to optimizing brain chemistry and, and why that is so important and how to do it, again, your brain chemicals are made – in your intestines. So what you put into your intestines are going to have a direct impact on how your brain functions for the rest of the day. The two neurotransmitters that are most important for the detailer, and this is where we're going to get kind of technical, but you know, I, I think your audience appreciates you for the fact that you, you tend to uh, go very deep into the, the chemical structure and the science behind the detailing. Right. No, it's, it's totally true. I mean, and when we go deep into these sort of things, I think, you know, these guys are always thinking about, hey, how can I be a better detailer? How can I not hurt so much? How can I, you know, make the car better? This, and I said in the beginning of the podcast, I, I there's no tool or no product, including ammo, that has any, is not, it's, I said it's worthless if you don't have this other part of your, uh, of your business and your life together. And, um, you know, it was kind of a big change for me. So the body, yeah, go, yeah, the body. Yeah. It was, yeah. it's, it's the, you know, it's really cliche to say this, but it's the best tool you have in your toolbox, you know, that kind of thing. For sure. It, it's kind of true. And I'm living proof. And that's why I was so adamant about having you on. Um, so I guess that's a long way of saying, yeah, my listeners love geeky stuff. So get in there as, you know, as deep as you feel is, is reasonable and, you know, they'll be right there with you. Okay. Um, Yes, if you if you don't take care of your body, where are you going to live? It's, it's going to be hard. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's for sure. So the two chemicals, brain chemicals that I want to talk about are dopamine and acetylcholine. Uh, these two chemicals are intimately involved in the life of the detailer. Dopamine is a chemical of focus. It helps you focus. It is also a neurochemical of risk and reward. So it actually impacts the decisions you make when you're faced with difficult decisions. So I remember when you were detailing the, um, on one of your videos, it was a a million dollar Ferrari. Yeah. That red one had three different kinds of paint, uh, three different kinds of material. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, You're, you're faced, um, on the fly with making difficult decisions and decisions mm-hmm. that could have fairly costly implications if you make the wrong decision. That's an understatement, but yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I prefer to live in a house. If that makes sense, right. so if I make a mistake, I may or may not lose my house. <laughs> Indeed. So you want to make sure that your dopamine 
is optimized so that you're actually making the decisions that a uh, a well sorted out mind would make in that in that case so part of the reason why i suggest protein and fat in the morning there is no need to increase your dietary sugar because your adrenal glands are already doing it for you so protein and fat is to improve the production of dopamine dopamine is made from the amino acid which is a building block of protein called tyrosine and uh, you can do a very simple search on Google to, to find out what types of foods are high in tyrosine. And you will increase your mental drive, your mental focus by increasing the amount of dopamine you produce. And you can do that first thing in the morning. The second chemical that is of critical importance to a detailer is acetylcholine because acetylcholine is directly involved in muscular contraction. So if you're trying to hold you know, an orbital polisher steadily, you need to be in control of your muscular system, mm -hmm. right? Not only that, you also need to be focused. So acetylcholine is controlling the muscular control side of things. The dopamine is helping you focus on what it is you're actually doing. And for those of you listening and, you know, in, in my own business, and, and this is, this relates to anybody, uh, in any field who has to be in control of themselves and focused, if you feel that you're not in control and you're totally unfocused, it's a, it's a perfect recipe for anxiety. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing worse than going into a board meeting totally unprepared and unfocused and, and lacking control. I find that I, if I have in my particular personal case, but if I, like you were teaching me about the sugar in the morning, mm -hmm. If I have too much sugar in the morning, man, I just feel like, aside from my my heart is racing and blah, 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 it just feels something's off. And I think that's when I knew I was like, all right, coach knows exactly what he's talking about. Because as soon as I cut sugar out in the morning, it was uh, it was an immediate change. And then as soon as I added more proteins and fats, yes, that's when it sort of combined with everything. I was like, okay, like I'm now doing, I, I couldn't have breakfast anymore What? without using this sort of method. It's that important to me. It is, yes. Once once my clients start with it, and it, it may seem like a stretch in the beginning, and it, it's definitely novel, but um, once you give it a shot for one or two months, your day will not seem complete unless you actually do start it with a breakfast of this nature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. So just to, to recap on that, dopamine and acetylcholine, uh, that's kind of the technical side of it. Really what you're trying to do is optimize your brain chemistry through what you eat as your first meal to improve your mental focus and improve your muscular coordination throughout the rest of the day. Gotcha. All right. And uh, is there anything else? I'm trying to look at the, uh, the bottom of your list here. Um. I mean, we spoke, uh, I, I could go on at length about uh, the necessity of controlling blood sugar. Uh, we have, you know, globally, we have uh, an epidemic of type 2 diabetes. We, we now have over nine, um, actually over 100 million diabetics in India, over 130 million in China. Uh, I know that the United States has a, a large problem with type 2 diabetes. And 
And all of these really just speak to a lack of blood sugar control. Um, the blood sugar does have direct implications for your immediate energy, but it, it has far greater implications on the body's inflammation status, on um, the degradation of certain tissues. So this this may be a talk for another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's huge. I think what we can pull out of this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, minimize or eliminate sugar in the morning mm -hmm. and up the fats, good fats, mm -hmm. and proteins in the morning. Is that... Yes, that's that's right on. In terms of quantity, um, I'm not much for, not one for having clients actually try to quantify their nutrition. I think we've we've paid far too much lip service to quantifying what we eat, and and the calories in, calories out model is becoming quite antiquated and and not holding water anymore, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. in terms of how much, just use the palm of your hand as a uh, as a guide. So. You will consume a palm's worth of protein and a palm's worth of fat. And by fat, I'm talking about smart fats. So to give you an example, those are the fats that occur naturally, such as avocados, olives, nuts, seeds. And then, of course, the type of fat that is contained in meat and fish and fowl. Mm -hmm. And if you guys are interested, again, I mentioned it before, uh, on what I specifically eat you know, have for breakfast. Uh, it's on your website, right? You have a, a picture or something. It is. That. Yes. I mean, a lot of people need a, an on-ramp before they, before they hit the highway. Right. So mm -hmm. when I suggest to someone who has basically been eating cereal every day of their life for the last three decades, and I say, we're going to make a switch toward animal proteins and fat. They, they often meet me with some, uh, concerns so if you get yourself a good quality blender you can go to my website and click on the green drink which is basically a very simple fast way to get good nutrition into your system and i i kind of treat it as an on-ramp onto the the higher level nutrition uh practices that i recommend to my clients but i think it's I, it's i I can't promote it anymore. It also does, it's a little gross, but it blows you out pretty good. So I, I, feel, I feel real good. I feel, you it, know, it, when I start my day, I'm ready to go. It, it helps the body move. There, I see that's the technical base. way. I, I'm going to stick with uh, it blows me out. <laughs> um, so where's your, uh, give us your website so these guys can go check out and read more about it. So my company's name is Myo Design. That's M-Y-O Design. Uh, for those of you who like the etymology of words and to understand what that means. Mayo is the Latin prefix for the muscular system. Mm, so I didn't know that. There you go. Mayo design. Oh, Mayo design. And then they can call you and, and uh, harass you for as long as they want. Does that work? They can. Absolutely. They can find me on Twitter at coach Campbell, C A M P B E L L. That's the at symbol coach Campbell mm -hmm. on Twitter. And, and that will often refer back to my website. All right. So there's, I mean, you guys, you know, everybody listening, when I tell you, we barely scratch the surface, we barely scratch the surface. My goal here was to get you on chat for a little bit, let people understand that you're like bonkers crazy when it comes to this aspect of strength and wellness coaching, just like, you know, I'm trying to be for, for detailing. If you want to know more information about that, 
go to this guy. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. He's absolutely changed the way that I do things. Uh, and we actually started a little bit of this before, just before I blew out my knee. And it was funny because all the things that you were saying, I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, I get it, fine, okay. And then when all this took place, it kind of, you know, my wife was actually saying it's kind of a blessing that this happened, you know, we try to take everything as a positive, that it slowed me down. And I kind of, I've probably read like six books since I've been sitting up, you know, I can't do anything anymore. So I've read a lot of books and then I've got back into thinking about long term, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I just can't, I don't know. I was, I can't believe I did what I did when I was younger. Not like, you know, I don't drink, smoke or do any of that stuff. I meant just literally pulverizing my body until until I just, I, you know, I passed out. So yes, uh, this is, this is a new, a new me. And I was excited to have you on there. So again, if you're, I'm not going to say if you're, you should be, because you guys have heard me over, I don't even know how many podcasts we've done, but, um, and then I've been on Matt's podcast and Hooniverse and all these other, uh, you know, his podcasts. And we talk about detailing and everybody wants to know the greatest trick in the super duper ammo product or this product, whatever. And, I'll say it one more time. It's completely useless if you can't actually get out of bed in the morning. So yes, um, you are you are your your most valuable asset. You're your most valuable instrument. And um, even if we take it outside of the realm of detailing, I mean, life as we know it, I think we would all agree is a sensory experience. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, the the vehicle that's sensing the world around us is the body. And so it, we got to have an, a good relationship with that body. And, and that's really the, the type of message I'm trying to promote. I mean, if, even if the name myodesign means that we have the ability to design or direct the course of our body's development, and that includes its health, its strength, its wellness. And we do not have to live um, on this kind of roller coaster toward uh, physical decay that a lot of us expect. No, it's, it's totally true. And, uh, listen, I am super duper, uh, excited that you came on. And again, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you. I feel like I, we have another seven hours to have the, you know, more in depth conversation. So I know it was extremely difficult for you to just kind of, uh, sort of ricochet off of these massive topics that you've you know devoted your life to. But my goal was to get these people, everyone who's listening, um, to realize, uh, how important this is and to, and to uh, quite honestly contact you because I don't have the answers. I, that's why I went to you. I was like, uh, I have no idea. You know, I, you heard me when I called you. I was like, I'm losing it, man. I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm dying here. What, what, what book can I read to try to figure this out? So yes. anyways, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hopping on. Um, and again, if you have any questions, contact uh, Colin at myodesign.com and uh, find him at, at Coach Campbell uh, on Twitter. That's right. I'm, thank you so much. I'm, I have to thank you. I'm, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity. And, and I really like when two divergent crowds, audiences who are equally as passionate about what they do can find common ground and find the, uh, the consilience between what they do, the connections between what they do. And, and um, like you said, I mean, the detailers, life is a physical life. It's a very physical life. That's evident. And um, it doesn't have to be a painful one. <laughs> it does not have to be a painful one. <laughs> I'm smiling ear to ear, and my wife is too. That's, uh, I don't even know how to say anything else after that. Yes, it, it doesn't have to be. You can, uh, 
if you if you do some smart things and change up uh, some of some of the old habits, the bad habits, uh, it's significantly better than any Roop's machine, right? Better than any you know chemical I've ever come across. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, uh, much appreciation for uh, for your time, and uh, I will. Uh, you know, I'll, as soon as I hang up, I'm calling you, and uh, we'll we'll chat more about uh, what's my next little project. But uh, in the meantime, thank you so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Larry. I'm looking forward to it. All right, later, bud. Bye, bye. Man, Coach Colin is absolutely awesome. Uh, big thanks to him for uh, for hopping on with us. If you change a few things around, you know I'm not going to say it anymore. If you change a few things around in your in your diet and, and and the way that you think, it'll help your detailing a whole lot. And that sounds goofy, but uh, now let's hop into one of my favorite things, which is answering questions from uh, people who listen in. So the first one is says, what does it say? Where is it? There it is. All right. Hi, Larry. First off. Let me say thank you for all your detailing videos. Extremely helpful, ton of information. And they've shared, they've saved my butt a few times. I have two questions for you regarding the detailing of my uh, car, Gina, which is an 01Z06. So I guess this guy's <laughs> this guy names his cars, which is pretty cool. So <clears throat> the, excuse me, the C5 Corvette uh, that I had had an option for a body side molding and his car had them. I opted to remove them for a cleaner look. The passenger side came off just fine, but on the driver's side, a nasty 3M tape uh, residue was left over. I re- researched a little bit, and red guys saying that they use heat guns to soften up the soften up the goo, and then take a plastic razor blade to it. But I don't feel comfortable with that. I'm afraid the heat will interact with any quote anti-adhesive agents I spray on there to help, and it will leave the paint discolored. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on that? Second question is. I will be upgrading my interior with a few in a few months and will be recovering my entire dash. I love the look and feel of micro suede, uh, but also the classiness of leather. Are, uh, are there any major pros and cons when it comes to cleaning either? Even if I just had a little dust getting in the way or close up on the windshield, will it come off easily with the microfiber towel? My concern is that at an angle, it's going to be hard to use the twist technique you've shown. Thanks again for your help. Have a good weekend, Nate. Okay, so let's take the first question. Um, and the first question, you know, has to do with that, with the 3M tape and 3M makes really good adhesive remover as well. So you should definitely try that. So there's like five different options that you can use. Uh, one of them, uh, there's actually a video that I have out there with the yellow Mustang and it talks about, uh, how to remove uh, a sticker adhesive or adhesive. I can't remember the name of it, um, with a microfiber cutting pad. Uh, so that is a really effective way of removing a lot of that gunk. Um, but the problem is the pad becomes useless after that. So, I mean, just consider it a throwaway pad, but at the same time, the time that you would have spent trying to get that off, you know, with a, with a plastic razor blade, which is an option, um, it's just a lot of time. So I don't mind throwing away a microfiber cutting pad, uh, because it picks up the gunk so much. Cause remember the microfiber pad is like a microfiber towel. It's going to pick up stuff. And if it's going to pick up the stickiness, uh, it's totally worth it for me. But to answer his specific question, I do encourage him to use uh, heat and try to like peel a lot of it off. It depends. We're, you know, again, I'm only reading this. I'm not looking at it in person. But you know, give that heat gun a try so it, it becomes a little more uh, you know goopy, and then you can kind of just like peel it all off. A lot of times, it comes off in one kind of like boogery stretch. If you know, if you guys know what I mean. So I would try that. Then let it cool down slightly. And you can use something like body saw or auto saw, um, which is solve or solvent, 
Um, I don't sell it. I have it, um, but I, I, you know, it's a little too much to sell to over the counter. So you can probably go to your local body shop, go in and be like, hey, Bobby, what's going on over here? Can I have some auto solar body saw? And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? And you say, it's the stuff that you guys use to take off, you know, goop or to remove any wax before you guys go paint. Um, it's very volatile, meaning it, it volatile is, uh, it goes from a liquid to a gas really fast. So, you know, it stinks is what it is. But so go in there and you give him 10 bucks or something and he'll give you a little jar of it and you're fine. So that's, that's option number two or three or whatever we're on now. Plastic razor blade is good too, but you know, if you, even with a plastic razor blade, you get too aggressive, you're going to put some lines in there. Um, for me, I'd probably try the adhesive remover first, meaning the body saw or the 3M adhesive remover. I'd try that first, see if it comes off. Great, fine. Make sure you rewax it because you just removed the wax. If it doesn't come off then, my second option would be to go to a microfiber pad and I just throw the pad away when I'm done. Um, then the third and fourth would be heat and razor blade. So hopefully that gives uh, a little bit of an idea of, of question uh, number one. And number two, upgrading the interior. Um, I, I happen to be a huge f- fan. He calls it micro suede. It's another word is Alcantara, um, meaning like fake, fake-ish suede because suede is crazy expensive. Um, I, I prefer I prefer that. Because you can just you, you can just kind of vacuum it off, and the way that you vacuum it, and I showed it on the Bugatti video, is you don't actually put the vacuum on the suede because it's so soft and it's so uh, sensitive that you put your finger just underneath it, so you're kind of scraping up with your finger, which is going to be soft. You're kind of puffing up the fibers, and at the same time, you're sucking up with the vacuum because it's about a centimeter off. So what I'm saying is, just don't go like scratch. The, the suede, you know, um, to, to suck it off. So with, with me saying that, that to me, it's easy to clean suede, but I can see how people and might be, think it's difficult. So the bottom line is I would go with the suede cause I think it looks better than, than leather. Um, and yeah, that was basically his, his question is it going to be weird if you use angles and the twisting technique. Um, and again, it just, you have to be super gentle with it, but use that vacuum technique and you should I can't even remember the last time I cleaned my dashboard other than like wiping it with a microfiber towel. I mean, the, uh, on the Porsche, because like, wh- why would it get dirty? I don't know. I'm not putting sodas up there and you know slopping ice cream on it. So I, I don't know. I the answer is if it gets dirty, you got to do a little bit of a technique. You use a little bit of the brush, very light, very light, so you don't you know create those little dreadlocks if you go too much. You know, you push too hard on those. But anyways, that's what I would uh, I would do with those. Okay, next question is from Dean M. Dear Larry, I watch your videos with great fun. I'm learning a lot from it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I have a question about the phenomenon uh, sand that is fall- falling down from the sky on my car. Uh, I live in the Netherlands, and I've, uh, ha- I'm having trouble with sand. Not just normal sand from the roads, but sand from the skies, in capital exclamation point. <laughs> when, when we have rain in the summer and the winds come... He's struggling with English here. Uh, winds come from the south. We have a strange phenomenon called... Sahara sand, um, and it's spelled really weird, but he puts an English translation. Sahara sand. I never heard that before. In the in the summer, the wind picks up from the sand from the Sahara Desert in Africa, blows it up in the skies, and it flows over over the earth to Europe and to my country. We are having rain. The sand gets all picked up in the wind, comes falling down. The result is the car is fully covered in sand. Okay, so his question. Now I have a question about washing the car without getting it all scratched all over 
scratched all over the place. I noticed when the car isn't washed right away after the rain falls down, the sand keeps on sticking to the paint. I tried, T-R-Y-E-D, I tried <laughs> uh, using a, a normal hose and high pressure washer to get rid of it, but it doesn't seem to do anything. The sand just sticks to the paint. Now I'm a bit scared of taking it to mount, mount wash. I'm taking it to a washing mitt stand. It means a car wash, I guess. Uh, because it might scratch all over the place. Do you have any tips in getting rid of the sand uh, without getting the paint, paint all scratched up, et cetera, et cetera? My apologies for the bad grammar and words that I've misspelled. I am from the Netherlands, and my original language is Dutch, not English. <laughs> so uh, that's why it sounded weird. Okay, this is a tough one. So the I read it because the Sahara sand is, seems like an interesting uh, phenomenon. But what's going on here is if it's... I'd have to watch his wash process and what he's putting on the car. He's putting something on the car or some weird clear coat that makes it extremely soft. I'm guessing. I have no idea. Because if you can't get the sand off with a power washer, I, I don't know what's going on over there. It must be so soft that the sand is going in or maybe he doesn't have enough pressure on his power washer. But I can't even imagine even if with like a regular hose, you know, just regular hose water and that much pressure that you wouldn't be able to at least blow most of the sand off the car. So uh, if he's not doing that, he's going to scratch the heck out of it. The The, the question I can't answer, or I don't really know until I see it, um, is why this paint is so soft. It's either he put, you know, there's some coatings out there that like have, have a tendency to be really grippy. There's some that are very hydrophobic. There's some that are, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So he may have some weird clear coat issue that's making it wildly soft. Um, or the another factor could be the Sahara sand, which I don't even know what the hell that is, but some sort of sand in the sky and what have you, maybe it's coming down in clumps. So the answer is if you're going to wash it, uh, I would uh, wash it by hand, but I would rinse it until like I ran out of water. I'm being, I'm exaggerating. You got to use a lot of water. Uh, and there's a technique that I use sometimes and I did it in uh, episode one of Drive Clean where I used the wash mitt and the foam gun at the same time. You are a prime candidate for that. You have to be flushing, flushing, flushing um, the sand out of the wash mitt as you're wiping it. But at the end of the day, you're probably going to get some scratches on there. You, you're up a creek without a paddle there. So um, I would think twice about uh, what you put on the car, meaning coatings or sealant or whatever you put on there. And then uh, try to cover it up as much as possible. I know in this situation, putting covers on your car when they're sand out is not great either. But six and one half dozen in the other, like I said, it, uh, I would cover it up first. Sand is, is not good. Hopefully that gives you a little idea. Send me some pictures. Uh, I appreciate you guys sending me emails and, and more and more questions. Uh, let me do some plugs for the for the peoples. Of course, you guys have to watch TST, which is the smokingtire.com. Matt Farah, Matt and I went to school together, and it's a good group of guys over there, and their podcast is kicking butt. Of course, Hooniverse, um, uh, shoutengine.com with Chris. Uh, he's the one that's uh, doing the podcast. He, he's the freaking man. There's no doubt about that. You can always visit me at ammonyc.com. I'm putting this podcast up on my website. I'm putting a new little section with all the podcasts. Everybody asks me, where do I find the podcast? You know what? It's on my website at ammonyc.com. The Drive channel has changed a few things up. We talked about that, but uh, hopefully my uh, my 964 review is coming out. Um, it should be the next couple of days, so hopefully by the time this is up, you'll be able to read it or uh, watch it. Um, you can visit that at youtube.com slash drive. My Facebook page, Ammo NYC, Jalopnik, those guys are my 
huge friends over there, Mike Spinelli. TRG Aston Martin Racing. Uh, I do a little bit of sponsoring with them. Lime Rock Race Park. I am there all the time. I'm going to Watkins Glen as well. And, of course, my friends at Piston Heads in the UK. Uh, those guys are freaking awesome, and I love uh, all the posts they do. If you guys have any questions, you know where to find me, Larry at AmmoNYC.com. As always, I appreciate everything uh, you guys do, and, and uh, I appreciate you listening to this podcast and me rambling on about detailing. Next week, we'll do something cool uh, about detailing. i got to figure out what we're going to we're going to talk about and who we're going to interview. If you have any suggestions, you know where to shoot me. Shoot me, Larry at AmmoNYC.com. Love you guys. Bye.